Hey besties, just want to give you all a slight trigger warning that this episode talks about themes of depression and suicidal ideation. So if you haven't read the book and you're just coming to hang out with your girls, wanted to let you know, we still giggle and have fun like any other episode of this podcast, but thought it deserved a brief trigger warning. Also, should you ever need it or someone in your life, the title of this episode is the Suicide Prevention Hotline Number. Love you. Hi guys, we hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode in the book, and today we are going to get into Darling Venom by Parker S. Huntington, but before we get into it, Sav, how are you doing? I'm flipping it back to you because we all want to know how your weekend getaway <laughs> with your boyfriend was. <laughs> it was it was good. I don't know, really know why I was nervous. It was night, so we stayed at a villa. It was 10 of us, so the whole bridal party, and I was the only plus one that was not in the bridal party. And as we all know for weddings, the girls get ready at like 6 a.m. Yes. The guys did not have to get ready until 3.30 p.m. Like that is when they had to meet to start to get ready. Wow. So my boyfriend and I went into the town. We went. Delonica has a gold rush museum. Oh. Like a historic gold rush museum run by the national park. <laughs> what does it say about me that I can only think of the Taylor Swift song? I was like, what is the gold rush? <laughs> gold rush museum the first gold rush actually happened in north georgia in 1829 not in california wow we got back and told that to everybody <laughs> that was like your fun fact it was our fun fact that was cute we got a cute breakfast they had a farmer's market outside so we got a pie and some jam and then the wedding was really beautiful i know i think it's i don't i found that has like seth been a groomsman in a wedding no he hasn't okay I don't know so like I just think you're just like like when like your boyfriend or girlfriend like they're standing up there and you're just like wow like I don't I don't know how to explain it no the bridesmaid and groomsmen at weddings are like the royalty of the wedding yes it's like it was being cute. With VIP it was cute because like during like the ceremony my boyfriend like tried like sneak like glances at me because I like sat like we're I sat on the bride side so I was like okay. diagonal from them and I keep looking like we would, I would like not try to I don't know because he turns red so easily so he will try to make eye contact with me and I'm just like stop looking at me oh my god y'all both turn into little tomatoes when you get nervy we do <laughs> we do and so but it was a lot of fun it was a really beautiful wedding I was excited to go to a wedding because I have not been to one in a while and it was a fun weekend I'm so glad. I love that for you. Yeah, it was really cute. There's um some wilderness, a black bear. We had a black snake on the porch. Absolutely not. No, so, uh, so she went to go take her bridal portrait on the porch because it was so pretty because it was like an Italian villa and the black snake was on the porch. So she did not take her bridal portraits there. My wedding day would have been ruined because I'm so dramatic. That would have not gone over well for me. <laughs> Um, speaking of creatures, I went to the beach both days this weekend on Saturday. Seth and I took edibles at the beach, which is what we've been doing. Okay. <laughs> and I was, I, I was not well last week. I was fine. And Seth was not well this week. Seth was fine. I'm not well. 
Have you, this is important to the story, have you been following the orcas who are attacking yachts? Yes, I have. (laughs) Okay, so we saw dolphins right before we get in the water. I'm fucking blitzed. Okay, these dolphins are going by and I'm like, wow, that's beautiful. Then we get in the water and I'm like, all I can think about is the orcas. (laughs) What if the dolphins are like the orcas? Like, I'm scared. I have to get out. (laughs) And the fucking submarine shit had just happened. And I'm like, the ocean is fighting back. Like, I could not be in this state of mind in the water right now. I'm freaked out. I am an ankle deep in the ocean girly and that's it. I'm such an ocean girly, but I need all this shit to quit happening because it's freaking me out. I no. cannot do drugs and get in the ocean <laughs> while the orcas are in. <laughs> I saw a meme on Twitter. Is they're saying that orcas can jump up to 15 feet in the air. And somebody was saying the orcas are coming for the private jets. <laughs> the orcas sinking the yachts is fucking <laughs> insane to me. And every time they sink another one, the TikTok comments are like, we stand with her. <laughs> we are support the orcas. Yeah, no, I am an ankle deep, might go a little bit past the ankle, a little bit to the shin area. I'm not getting on a boat. Mm-mm. Well, I love that for you. I need to maybe adopt that if I'm going to partake in drugs because I was really scared of the orcas. People at the wedding were going for edibles, but I was like, I could not, like, I would not be a coherent human being. That's fair. That's really fair. But I did discover my new go-to drink now is a lemon drop martini. I can't go back. Once you is put it like a lemon them, drop shot? Yes. And oh, it is no. just, I had three on Friday and I looked at my boyfriend because I didn't have any water. And you know, when you're like, get that and yes. it just like hits you for a second yes. and you just like need the water so we're at the rehearsal dinner table and I just make contact with him like I need your water ASAP because <laughs> they they sneak up on you but it's my new go-to drink you should try it well everyone who listens to this podcast knows that a lemon if I'm drinking a lemon drop shot time to call the uber I need to go home. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I need to take up lemon drop martinis that feels like a bad idea for me it's a fun time in a cup <laughs> before we get into what we are reading I do want to if you have read Minx by Sophie Lark can you let us know how it is <laughs> I haven't been seeing it all over TikTok and Goodreads people are giving it five like across the board saying it's the sexiest like hottest book but I just can't if it's about a cat yeah we've we've had too much bestiality this month I really cannot handle cat fucking like I can't do yeah. it so, like, please slide into it because if Sophie Lars said that this is the hottest book she's ever read when she um, wrote The Sinners Duet, I just need to know. I want to go to Book Bonanza. Did you see all the book girlies? We have to Bonanza? go. We have to go next year. We have to go. How do we get an invite to that? I think you can buy tickets. Okay. Well, next year, I would like to request that we go. Yes. I know, like, some like of the TikTok girlies who went as like assistants for people. But I want to go as like a guest. I don't really mm-hmm. want to work it. Yeah, I'm. I <laughs> listen. I'm doing enough work. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> Unless it's being paid to just exist, I'm not interested. Yeah, but I think like tickets sell out in like two hours. Shit. Okay, we have to go next year. Yeah, let's be on it. The book bonanza spice rack crossover. 
Okay, speaking of books, let me tell you what I've been reading because, again, it's not a bender. This is just who I am. First of all, you can tell that my mental health is not well because I downloaded A Court of Mist and Fury on Audible today. <laughs> so that's my I, I was about to say, Sav. That's how you know mental health is not at its peak. So I listened to five hours of that today. I'm so ready to start crying at any given point now, but we're still quite early. Last week, I listened to The Summer We Fell by Elizabeth O'Rourke. It was really interesting. Kind of similar to the book that we read today. I would recommend. I like her. I really like the author. I read her, like, her Devil series, and I really liked it. It was very summery and, like, surfery, which I liked. And I feel like when I listen to audiobooks, I'm I'm picking up like a solid 75% of the plot. So I'm sure if you actually read it or processed it, you would like it even more. But it was solid. I read Darling Venom, which we're talking about today. And then I am about 87% of the way through with The Words by Ashley Jade. I've already made Emily download this to her Kindle because this book has me in a chokehold. I read my Kindle yesterday for six and a half hours, no breaks. I parked on my couch and just read all day and I'm almost done. Can't wait to talk about it. We're going to cover it on the next episode of the podcast, but if you have read this book, just slide in my DMs. I want to talk about it because I'm obsessed. So yeah, that's what I read. Like Sav said, it's recorded. It's downloaded. It's downloaded. The way that I was obsessed with cowboy romances, I'm about to just take a sharp right and go towards rock star romances. I think that's going to be my thing. Cowboys were my June thing, so rock stars are going to be my July thing. She'd be like, I play garage band. <laughs> to play guitar. What position? No. What instrument did you play on garage band? The garage. Not the garage, the guitar. Oh, I was like the garage. <laughs> I was always on the drums. I was a guitar girly. If I could be in a band, I'd be a drummer. I think people would come to our shows. I can't sing. <laughs> We'd be like um, fucking Tom Sandoval. That's the band. <laughs> so no, I don't think so. <laughs> I am currently in a little slump. So I started working. I am still on my say yes to the dress bender. So I think I'm going to stop watching TV for a little bit and get back into reading. I'm currently reading Fallen O by LJ and I really like it. I can't say if I like it more than Ruthless Rival because I do love the courtroom aspect and like the lawyer aspect of Ruthless Rival. And Fallen Foe is like a Southern belle and like a douchebag finance bro. Ooh. Yeah. So, like, billionaire you, finance Is the douchebag bra- finance bro, like, the love interest? Yes. Oh. How do you feel about that? So far, I don't know. Like, so, like, right now I'm at the part, like, where it was with Thorn Princess, where I was like, I don't mm-hmm. know how these people are going to be in love with each other. Yeah. But I'm going to stick it through. And then after that, so, I think I'm going to read... The last book of the Sinner and the Ritual series. I think that will be my next one after Fall and Foe. And that's going to be my motivation to finish. And then put that trilogy to rest. It's going to get you out of your slump because you're going to be so happy. I know. I almost want to like stop reading Fall and Foe. 
and just start read. But I was like, I got to finish it. I am in a phase right now. If I'm not captured in the first 20% in, I'm going to start DNFing stuff. Like I'm not forcing myself to finish something that I'm just not enjoying. Maybe I should adopt that. I support you. I didn't do it for a really long time. So it's a recent thing that I'm starting. I think when school starts back up and I go, cause right now it's too hot to walk outside, but I think when it like cools down and stuff, I'm going to get audible for like my outside walks. I would recommend. I am now an audible girly. And so. And for the next about it. for the next 23 hours, I will be reading. <laughs> I will be listening to A Court of Mist and Fury because mental health, not well. That's a telltale sign. <laughs> so getting into today's episode, we're going to talk about Parker S. Huntington, who is the writer. She is from Southern California and has a BA in creative writing from UCR and an ALM in literature from Harvard. She hates talking about herself and is allergic to social media, but you can catch up with her in her newsletter, which is um, www.parkersshuntington.com. And then um, I follow her newsletter and she does send you stuff like weekly. It's like a fun newsletter. Books by Huntington include Devious Lies, My Dark Romeo, which she co-writes with LJ Shen, and then the Five Syndicate series. And today we are discussing Darling Venom, which follows the untraditional meeting of Charlotte and Tate. I had to Google what ALM was because I didn't know what that meant, but it means Master of Global Arts. Did you know that? Okay, that's pretty neat. Yeah, I didn't know that. Okay, today we have a dedication and then we also have a quote and then I'm going to read a little snippet from the author's note. So the dedication is to those walking on the edge of the roof, don't do it. And to those who make them, good luck surviving yourself. Our quote is from David Mitchell from Cloud Atlas. What's selfish is to demand another to endure an intolerable existence just to spare families, friends, and enemies a bit of soul searching. I am once again going to read a little snippet from the author's note. And if you're not reading the author's note... I don't know what to tell you at this point, but this one was really good because, I mean, if you read this book, hopefully you got the trigger warning that it's a lot about suicide and like suicidal ideation and depression. So she talks about it and addresses it. Um, So I want to read a little bit. If those topics are heavy for you and you didn't read the book, you're just tuning in to hang out with us. Just a trigger warning that we are going to talk about it. Okay. From Parker. There's a line in Darling Venom, Kellen's book, not mine, that says, suicide is a war of two fears, fear of death and fear of the thing that pushes you toward it. The stronger side always wins. And if you lose, the penalty is death. Charlie is the girl who's fought that war and won. She's the girl who's been at the edge of the roof and survived. The one who killed her fear of the thing that pushed her towards death. She is the stronger side and her trophy is life and love and all the memories she'll make with her new family. I guess what I'm saying in a very overwritten roundabout way is I hope you win too. I hope you know the world is waiting for you. So getting into the plot review. So one Valentine's Day, Charlotte was ready to end it all when she walked up to the roof and to her surprise, there was someone else on this roof. Kellen Marchetti was a classmate of Charlotte's and labeled as a school freak. But these two meeting on the roof changed their lives for forever. Every year for three years, the two would meet on the roof for Valentine's Day as a way to check in on each other and continue their friendship. 
When Charlotte ran to the roof on that fourth Valentine's Day, she discovers that Kellen ended up jumping and ending his life. Riddled with guilt and feeling like it was all of her fault, diminished Charlotte. And one day when she was running an errand for her boss, she runs into Tate Marchetti, Kellen's brother. The two start out as enemies, both hating each other. But as they spend more time together to learn more about Kellen, the two create a bond that leads to a relationship blossoming from grief. The story of Tate and Charlotte is an emotional journey full of ups and downs. And through the tears and heartbreak, we get a really beautiful, happy ending. Okay, I gave this four stars. I think depending on the day, it could get four and a quarter or three and three quarters, just depending on my mood. This is a really interesting story, and I always love being pleasantly surprised by a plot line that I didn't see coming. The way my jaw hit the floor when Kellen actually died, and I realized that this wasn't like five years later of them being together. Um, I think Parker Huntington did a really good job of exploring themes of depression and suicidal ideation in teens and how they work through their emotions. The black slug that Kellen talks about is real, and I'm really glad that she talked about it. The sweet, poor, tortured Marchetti men. I just feel so many emotions for Tate, Kel, and even Terry. I love Charlotte, and I can't blame either brother for falling in love with her. Um, I also love that Tate called trauma the big T, and her big T really fucked me up, and I really struggled watching her blame herself and, like, slink back into the shadows for years. Darling Venom is a book I want to read Darling Venom by Kellen is a book that I would want to read, even though I'm pretty sure no one's banging in it, but still. (laughs) I'm docking some stars because I feel like we went from struggling to happiness so quick and it didn't feel real to me. Um, I'm going to be so honest. I didn't love Tate. Like I wanted to punch him for most of this book. I, I was not he was not giving to me what I wanted him to give. Um, But overall, I really love Charlotte. I love the themes and the story in this book and the love between Hell and Tate. Um, I just have two quotes. At one point, Charlotte loves books. She wants to be a book editor and like do the whole book publishing thing. And at one point she says, I'd never met an inanimate object as talented as breaking hearts as a book. And like, preach it sister I feel that to my core and then she also says I think true love is an uncontrollable habit like breathing we're born with the capacity for it so when it happens it's easy talking about that like love should be easy and it shouldn't be hard and it should feel like this natural thing that you're born to do instead of so different and jarring so this is like an all one all-time favorite read of mine. And I've also have read Devious Lies by Parker Huntington. It's also like in the collection of top like 20 favorite reads of all time. So I now I gave it five stars. So when I first started to read as I read this book last year, when I first started this read, I really thought it was gonna be like a cheesy love story. And I was wrong. This book is about second chances, the art of forgiveness, grief, and just finding love when you least expect it. And I think that Charlie and Tate's story like teaches you that in the midst of grief and pain, there can still be happiness. When um, Charlotte, Charlie found the penny that Kel left her, my heart shattered because that was the thing. They would just a penny for your thoughts. They would share pennies. And I 
really do think that Kel led Tate and Charlotte to be like with each other through like kismet or through fate. Personally, I think that the author handled all the topics in this book in a really respectful and sensitive manner. And I do really like Charlotte. And I think that she is an awesome female main character. You just like want to be there to like support her and just like be her friend. I just think that this is a book that everyone needs to read because I just think it's beautiful. I wanted to just give everybody a hug at the Valentine's dinner that Tate and the dad like do together to like honor Callan's memory, just like really emotional. And I think the fact that Callan wrote a book about him and Charlotte and that they would end up with each other, I just could not handle that. And then I, um, her Tate realizes that he finds out that there's a book. And when he goes, he named it after how she tastes, immortalized her inside the same coffin. He locked his soul into it. I'm just like, Christ. But I'm happy that Charlotte does get the happy ending and she stops blaming herself for what happened. And um, so they do have like a third stage breakup and they are like reconciling. And so he sits with her on a bench and he's like, do you want a penny? Cause she kind of, they made that their tradition to keep Kel's memory. And Tate goes, you said you wish you can find the thing to keep me going. You're it, Charlotte. You're the thing that keeps me going. I love you, Charlotte Richards. I can't promise you I'll always be okay, but I'll always love you and will never be ashamed of it. Over the past five years, I lost myself in grief, but then found the most precious thing in the world, you. And ugh, the fucking voicemail. The voicemail. Um, the voicemail. I'll, I'll read the voicemail. I am just... Like, I like that Kel still played a big role in this book. So Kel left a voicemail for Tate. So he tried to call Tate before he jumped in. Tate's a doctor. He didn't answer it. And so Kel left a voicemail. He goes, hey, Tate, it's Kel. I still think you're an asshole, but you're an asshole I need a favor from. There is this girl I know. Her name is Charlotte Richards. She's strong, stronger than she thinks she is, made of the toughest stuff, like the coding on an old as fuck Nokia phone or the shit they used to launch rockets into space. Tough as hell dicks is. But I worry about her, you know? I'm going someplace far, and I need you to make sure she's okay. Look over her every now and then. And the fact that they ended up with each other, goner. I just was, like, so emotional because I just loved Kellen. Like, I really loved him so much, and it just made me really sad that he was gone. And I'm glad that he lived on, right? Like, through his movie and through the books and stuff, but... I was just like, damn, you made me love him. And then, and I always say we need to kill more characters, but like, maybe not like this. It hurt me. <laughs> I have a completely off topic thing. And I should have mentioned at the beginning, but the Hi. fact that Kate Stewart is continuing the Ravenhood trilogy. <gasps> I saw. As we talk about tears and characters being killed off. Unwell. I cried in this book just like I cried with the Ravenhood trilogy. Yeah, yeah. This book fucked me up, I have to say. Something that really fucked me up, too. So Terry fucked me up a lot. Yeah. And when you find out that he stole the fucking book from Kellen, like, I had no... I don't know if other people saw that coming. My ass had no clue that that was coming. And I was just like, 
damn it. Like these people are all so flawed and fucked up. And I'm like, why, why do y'all keep doing this to yourselves? Like, how can you break this cycle? Poor Kellen, you know? I know. And when Kellen was making his pro con list of like, why, like, like jumping or not. And the pro he put that Tate would have a coronary attack. And like, he just loves fucking with Tate. Then when he put con dad would be sad. I was like, fuck. I know. And it's like hard when you see it flipped. Like obviously Terry's sad, but like Helen didn't realize how much him dying was going to like really fuck up Tate. And so it shows like how much he did care. He just didn't show it. It did throw me off a little bit. Tate's profession being an OB for high risk pregnancies and those who were dealing with infertility. Mm. I didn't expect that to be Tate's job. No, I didn't either. So. I always wonder what makes a man want to be an OB. I was just about to ask that. Like, what? What goes like, on through I, your head when you pick that? Personally, I just could not see a male OB. No, especially not a hot one. Are you fucking kidding? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I cannot. I feel like this is a good segue into the spice. So let's yeah. talk about it. I gave it one pepper, but there is so much potential for this book to be spicier. I also gave it one pepper and I wanted more. I wanted so much more. Yeah. So like, this is like an enemy to lovers book. So we could have gotten a lot more. I know. I don't know. I thought the OB scene was hot. I just have to say. Because I think what made it hot is because it was that scene was just so tension filled. I think had we gotten the oopsgasm from his point of view it would have been so much hotter but because it was from her point of view it made me want to sink below the earth's core (laughs) and like not come back up I had so much intense secondhand embarrassment like can you imagine having your first orgasm with a man and it's with your fucking hot OB like I can't even fathom that who tells you that like you should be breaking your hymen a different way like he was so clinical about it and that would just make me want to die I don't know what it says but I don't know I thought the way that he was just so clinical and just like made him just hotter for me I think that you might have a little doctor patient role play kink going on <laughs> I think that you should explore gloves and all I want this to come to fruition for you but I just think like I just like you know he has a dirty mouth he was a goner for her like I think that could have made like that could have him being a goner for her could have made the sex scenes really hot just like I hate you but I just can't stop thinking about you I hate you but I'm so obsessed with you yeah yeah he did have a very dirty mouth let me redo a couple of things that I pointed out At one point she says like penny for your thoughts and he says something and she's like oh I bet you're really bad at dirty talk and he says back in the middle of the street with a dry ass like dry ass tone straight face bet you all the pennies in your cheap little purse that I can make you come on my face in less than 10 seconds before I even use my tongue or my cock. Sir this is I wish he I wish he followed through. Right right. All right. And then he propositions her. So he basically says that he wants to be her fuck buddy, which we all know is not going to go well. 
um, after the oopsgasm because he can't stop thinking about her literally coming while he's giving her an exam. And he says, I wasn't concerned about your sex life because you were a patient. I'm concerned about it because I want to fuck your brains out until you lose the ability to walk straight. (laughs) He's just really dry. Yeah, I don't know. And like, he was just powerful. Yeah. He had big dick energy for sure. He definitely had big dick energy for sure. Like, we do get a sex scene, but it's between him and an employee. I have to say, though. When she walks in, that was hot. That was hot. The maintaining eye contact while you're fucking somebody else is hot. Have you read Eyes on Me by Sarah Kate? No. Is that one that we've read for the... I know we have the one with the praise kink and then the threesome. Is that one that we've read for the pod? No, so I haven't read this one for the pod. But he, his, like, kink is eye contact. I think I hate it. It's a good. <laughs> no, I, I, I couldn't. I don't think I can do that. No. Oh my god! Can you imagine? Hold on, stop. I have to. I have to sharp right. Can you imagine <laughs> that you hook up with a guy? Like you randomly go home with a guy, and his kink is eye contact i feel like i'm with a serial killer i need to get the i'm taking the sos on my phone <laughs> like, i gotta go i gotta go i'd be like it is time to make a swift exit sir i'm calling an uber right fucking now eye contact is just so uncomfortable for me <laughs> like it just like a certain i just like can't unless you are balls deep in my enemy and you're thinking of me i don't <laughs> want intense eye contact like that <laughs> I feel like Tate would be an eyes contact guy. I have to tell you something. I I don't know if I'm going to cut this out of the podcast. <laughs> I think, I don't know what I've done to Seth. So if he knows that we are trying to have a baby and he just is not saying anything. I don't know if he has a toe ring kink. I don't know what I've done to him, but I broke it. <laughs> After we took edibles at the beach, we went to dinner on the way home. He looks at me in the middle of this restaurant full of people. And we were like kind of like flirting. He was like, I think I could watch you fuck somebody else. Oh my God, there's so many people around. I dropped my fork. Flustered. Flustered. He has to be listening to the podcast. So I don't, I fucking hope not, but I don't know what that information means. I'm obviously here for it, but I have no idea where to go from here. So I would just, I need advice. I need help. <laughs> TBD, you yeah, that out, but that's crazy, is it not? Mm-hmm. How would you feel about that? I don't know, because there's been some changes in Alex, too. Like, the other day, like, we, like, finished, like, having sex, and he was, like, he was, like, expect more rounds later. And I'm, like, what did he do with my boyfriend? <laughs> There's some there. I don't know. Are they having they a hot guy summer? up and listening to the fucking podcast, don't you think? I don't know. Listen, I think I put these toe rings on, and Seth has a toe ring. <laughs> That's the only thing that I can come up with because he's like a man possessed. Yeah, like we were having sex yesterday, and the headboard was like hitting, and we had somebody in that next room, and Alice was like, "I don't give a shit. Like anybody can hear." 
And I was like, what did you do? I was like, what happened to my boyfriend? Look at us. We've come so far. Round of applause. I almost pulled a Nathan Hawkins and put the paper towel behind <laughs> the head for it. Okay. Do you want to get into a discussion question? I do. Okay. So we have a few discussion questions for this week. So we meet Leah. She is Charlotte's sister. And so, Sav, do you think that Leah is an asshole? I vehemently think that Leah is an asshole. I think that she blamed her sister for some, like, a 13-year-old starting a fire and you getting scarred and your parents dying is traumatic. Like, the big T was teeing. I get that. But, like, she literally blamed her sister and ruined their whole relationship. I don't know. I just think it's fucked. I think Leah's a bitch. And I really thought, because when it found, when it came out that she hid, like, she hid Kel's letter from Charlotte. Yes. And, like, I was like, oh, there is no redeeming for Leah. No. And I was like, and I was like, you blame Leah for your parent. You blame Charlotte for your parents dying. And then Charlotte has to, like, is dealing with, like, Kel dying. And I was like, like, help the girl out. But she is so cold towards Charlotte. And, like, she was not really the nicest sister I, even before the incident. No. So I think she's an asshole. Yeah, I do too. And the only time that I was like, really like, fuck yeah, Tate, you go, is when he showed up and like put her in her place and was like, mm-hmm. you are being such an asshole and you're blaming your sister for something that is fucked up. And I get that you have scars, but, like you were not ugly. Quit blaming her for ruining your life. That is not fair to place on anybody. Yeah. And I really thought that she would have like a redeeming moment and it just, she's the villain of the story. Yeah. She like never really had any sort of redeeming moments, but I don't know that I would have been okay if she did. So whatever. (laughs) Just add to the tears. (laughs) Next question. Do you think that Charlotte should have taken Tate back? I don't think that Charlotte should have made it known that she knew that Kel wanted to jump and that is how they like met. I think that was just like something between her and Kel. Oh, you do. So I think that he didn't have the right to get mad at Charlotte for that because especially because she knew how much the friendship like meant. Like, I don't know. I just don't think that he should have gotten mad. I think upset. But I don't think he should have been like, I can't even look at you the same way anymore. Yeah, that's fair. Especially because, like, Tate really didn't put any effort into being Kel's brother. No. And Charlotte was there for Kel. Charlotte was there for Tate. And, like, she's really trying. And, like, he knew, like, how much guilt she felt. And I just think it was really wrong of him. I'm going to say something that is potentially fucked up. I don't think... Tate kind of acted like he was owed something because he was Kel's brother. But like, I have a sibling and I think that being close with your sibling is beautiful. I'm not like super, super close with my brother. Right. So if something happened, if he were to act like he had more of a right to be upset than like you or my closest friends, like, I don't think that that's fair. Being a blood relative to somebody does not give you ownership or entitlement to feel a certain way about their death more so than anybody else does that make sense no it does and like that's the thing and it was kind of like why are you getting mad at the one person 
And like Charlotte is doing you because they're trying to get to know more about Cal. That's why they're hanging out with each other. And then I was like, it was just not fair for the way that he acted. I understand why Charlotte did take Tate back. And I just think that give them the March Edmonds very extensive therapy. <laughs> but I think that Tate was really in the wrong. Never in a book have I come across more characters who need therapy than I have in this, in this book. book. I just think that Charlotte was the one putting all of the effort in. So that's where I like struggle because Tate was basically like, yeah, fuck this. I'm out. When Charlotte had been trying for months, like a whole year goes by basically where she'd been trying and then they break things off for like what, four months. And then they, they end up getting back together. So like she had put in so much effort and he had so much time to take her back. And that's where I'm just kind of like, is this just convenient for you now? Like, have you actually yeah. work? I don't know. That's my one knock with this story is that towards the end, everything just happens so quickly. And I don't think that we didn't put a bow on it. Like I have a lot of outstanding feelings and questions. So getting to the next question, if you died, would you be pissed that your lover and sibling were dating? And then could you date your boo's sibling after they pass? I don't know. I like really don't know how to feel about this. I could not date the boo after they have passed. Like you couldn't date someone's, like your boyfriend's sibling after they'd passed away. You couldn't do that. No, but I don't. This is a tough question. I don't know. I think if they have had sex, it's an immediate no. Oh, if you've had, okay, that's a good distinction. They've had sex, it's an immediate now. And then, because Cal and Tate were not close. I think that that's the thing for me. If you were a part of, because like if you got to know this person while you were with your partner because they were close with their sibling and like you had a relationship with them, that's where I'm like, no, that feels wrong. Yeah. Because I even think it's wrong to date, like, if, like, your best friend died and you date their boo. I think that's equally as fucked up. I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) I have no idea how to feel. I just think it's all so murky. All these relationships are so murky. And I guess it depends on, like, who the person is and what your dynamic with them is like. But still... Yeah, I think it would honestly be worse if Leah and Tate started dating. Oh, so much worse, I think. Yeah, I think that is definitely worse than Charlotte and Tate dating. Yeah, because at least Charlotte was able to, like, overcome her issues with Tate by being in a relationship with him. Getting into our fave little segment, how we picture our book boyfriend. I don't have a lot to add (laughs) because I can only picture this man as Carlisle from Twilight. <laughs> That's it. That's all I have. But I could not, once I started, I couldn't stop. And I only see him as Carlisle from Twilight. That's it. I picture him to look like Henry Cavill, kind Ooh. of like a little bit big, a little powery kind of. He drinks black coffee and is a true asshole to everyone but you and his patients. 
he has a personal driver. He's not driving. And he only grocery shops at Whole Foods. And he always wears his suit with the sleeves rolled up and a button undone at the top. Mm-hmm. I pictured him being like a tan and khaki suit kind of guy too. Not necessarily a black or gray. Yeah. Yeah. Much like Carlisle or Twilight. <laughs> okay. Okay, so getting into our scientifically proven boyfriend pyramid, we have to put Tate somewhere on the boyfriend pyramid. As you guys know, at the bottom of the pyramid, we have ultimate friends with benefits. You may tell your friends, may not tell your friends. And then we have meet the parents. You could be the one, could not be the one. We'll see. Then you have white picket friends where you guys are living happily ever after. You have two kids, the dog, red door, happy life. And at the top of the top, we have God tier, where it is just the best of the best for side. So, Sav, where are you putting Tate Marchetti? I'm putting Tate at Ultimate Friends with Benefits, and I'm putting Kel at Me and the Family. I don't know if Kellen was supposed to be on the thing, but I le- I really liked him, so he's me. I think for Kel, I'm going to put Meet the Family. I think I'll put both at Meet the Family. Okay. And see where. See where it goes. See where it goes. I thought you were going to put Tate at God tier. I'm not going to lie. No. Okay. Because it kind of, it did feel like the convenience factor. Like, you only like Charlotte when it was, like, convenient. But I also don't know if I could, if my I would be okay with my man being an OB. He's looking at a lot of coochies. A lot of them. So, I, I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> so, I think he gets knocked down already for that. Mm, that is a fair point. But he's also, like, delivering babies. And, like, that's kind of hot. Right? Like, he's bringing life into the world. I just wish that he could do that without looking at other people's vagina. Have you seen the Mindy Project? No. Oh, my God. If you want to binge a show, you should watch the Mindy Project with Mindy okay. It's so funny. It's on Netflix. Okay. I'll add that to my list. They're all obese, so it fits. Oh, it's probably good, yeah. It's good. Okay. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode on Darling Venom. This is an oldie but a goodie. And the next one we're reading is also an oldie but a goodie because I guess I'm discovering old books. So next week, we're taking a break for the 4th of July. And then the week after that, we're going to read the words by Ashley Jade, which is a rock star romance. I'm so excited for Emily to read it so that we can share and discuss. Bye, guys. We hope you guys have a good and safe 4th of July. And we'll see you guys after that. Bye. Bye.